Welcome to the Horror Writers Podcast. Join Jay Thorne and Richard Brown as they discuss writing and publishing horror using strategies that work for all genres. Everybody, welcome back to the Horror Writers Podcast with Jay Thorne and Richard Brown, episode number nine. Yeah, it's nine. Yeah, I had to think about that for a second. How you doing today, Richard? Doing all right. How you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm doing okay. I mean, it uh, it feels like wow. It's I can't believe we're at episode uh, nine already. I mean, it feels like just last week we did episode eight together for the first time. That's because we did do episode eight for the first ah, time that's, last week. That's probably why it feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, actually, we've done two episodes together now. But that yeah. other one was like, episode seven was, what is it, like a month ago, I think, almost. Yeah, yeah. I guess it technically counts. I was. There was quite a break between number seven and eight. Not anymore, though. No, every Monday now. So we got to be on our game. We're bringing our A game. So uh, what do you got going on this week? What's new? Um, not a whole lot. Um, last night I saw Sin City 2. So that Ooh. was pretty cool. Was it? Yeah. I don't know if you, you saw the first one. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked the first one. I was a, a big fan of that. And I was a big fan of the, the comics, too. I have all the, all the comics. And... Uh, yeah, it was good. It wasn't, you know, it probably wasn't as good as the first one, but I was surprised. It's, it's always hard to top the first one, so. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really go into it expecting it to be, you know, even as good. If it, if it was even just, you know, close, then I was going to be happy, and and it was good. Um, yeah. It surprised me because I guess it's done really bad in the the box office. Like Is it's it, like tanked. Uh, really, Jessica Alba and Bruce Willis are both back in this one, right? Yeah. Yeah, Josh Brolin and just a ton of ton of people. Uh, even Christopher Lloyd, you know, from uh, Back to the Future. Yeah. yeah. He has a little cameo appearance. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's worth seeing it just for him. He's like plays this like doctor that one of the characters has to go to to get get like fixed up, you know, after he gets uh, beaten up, basically. Okay. And it's just he's like this creepy kind of crazy like one of the like those doctors you'd see like in a in an alleyway or something. <laughs> like you know, underground doctor guy. Right. But yeah, the movie I guess has done like twelve million or something in like two weeks, which is like awful. Yeah. So wow. I mean I'm sure there won't be a third one now, but <laughs> but I was like, Man, I need to go see it. Once I read that I was like, I need to go see it like right now because it's not gonna be in the theaters very long. Right. And it, it already, like, most of the theaters in where I live, it's already gone. Huh. So I had to find that one. And then what else? Well, last night my I got an uh, Xbox One. So let's see. This is just nice. a controller, you know. Nice. I don't, know if, I don't know if you play games at all. but I'm not much of a gamer unless it's uh, Atari 2600. That's probably the last Ooh. system I spent a lot of time on. It was mostly my wife. Uh, she's been wanting one for like a long time, uh, really since the, since the thing came out. I guess she has a lot of people from work that that play, and they play online. So they've just been bugging her, like, "When are you gonna get one?" And so finally, she broke down and got one last night at the on base. It's really really big of you to get it for your wife. That's yeah. really kind. Well, really, I mean, she, she paid for most of it because she's. <laughs> I was willing to wait, you know. It's funny, but she she actually <laughs> plays games more than me. But I do like playing games, and and now that now that I know you don't play games, I guess there's no point in ever having a uh, horror game podcast. But yeah, pr- probably not. <laughs> <laughs> because there is quite a few good horror games. You yeah, know, the Resident Evils and the Silent Hills and whatnot. Yeah, it's not that I don't like them. It's uh, I would probably end up never leaving the room if I had a console with those games on it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, uh, nothing really going on. What's new with you? 
well, the Black Fang Betrayal uh, came out this week, and it's been really well received. I'm really excited about that. And uh, you know, by the time this this episode airs, I'm not sure where it'll be ranking wise, but uh, it was just a really strong start. And I think it was uh, it was great to get a lot of the feedback from from early readers and and reading some of those reviews. It was it was really cool. It seemed like uh, Seemed like a lot of the people sort of got the concept and what it took to pull it off, and so I was pretty excited about it. And uh, and I got probably my my final box set coming out. It's not one I organized, uh, but it's one I was asked to be in. So my friend uh, Lorraine Eckhart put together a mystery thriller suspense box set called Dark Justice, and Scott Nicholson's in it, and Kathy Perkins, and Karen Tabke, and it it comes out. Uh, well, it'll probably be out by the time this airs, um, and it was nice to kind of be a passenger on one instead of <laughs> the driver. Quite honestly, like I just submitted my stuff and then didn't have to worry about it. So, uh, so be curious yeah. to see how that does. Yeah, I mean, with, with the one I'm in, it was nice because because I didn't have to do anything. It was just like gave you the file and you handled everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that... I thought about organizing a few myself, but it was always the the sort of logistics of it that was going to be pain and I could tell all that I got to pay all these people and keep track of everything and I was like man I'd rather just join somebody else's <laughs> well it is a pain and when I started doing it it was it was worth it but you know now it seems like uh, the multi-author box set is and we talked about this before is sort of being uh, throttled back by Amazon as as far as the algorithm because at least we, we think it is and so uh that's why I don't have any any plans to do any more in, in, unless something changes. And I've even heard some rumors that Amazon is is working in uh, in KDP to develop some type of internal system that would allow authors to kind of package their own multi-author box sets. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but that would make things a lot easier. It would be. It would be. But uh, I don't like. I just don't know if the if that sort of tactic has worn off yet on the reading public. So I figured I'll. Uh, I'll join one more and kind of see. And I think Lorraine, uh, Lorraine is looking to get some promotional work from Apple for this. I think Apple's trying to make a, a you know, with iBooks, they're trying to make a, a, a go at Amazon and, and be a legit competitor. So I think they might be promoting some some uh, multi-author box sets to kind of do that. So I don't know. Who knows? It could be, could be getting some readers from a platform where I have very little to no presence. Yeah. What about uh, This is the End 2? I mean, is it shooting up the charts now that we got Anne Rice to mention it? Oh, was that funny or what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish it meant money, but like uh, at first uh, Colin Barnes sent me the screenshot and I was, I was cracking up. I was really laughing. Uh, you know, Anne Rice's son, I guess, has a book coming out and she sent a link. Uh, she posted a link on her Facebook page to the Dark Fantasy bestseller list. And I don't, I'm not quite sure why, like, because I don't think he's on pre-order, but whatever. She she chose it, and it, it grabbed that this is the end two thumbnail, and I guess she didn't think or didn't care to like cycle through the thumbnails and pick the one she wanted on Facebook, and she just posted it. <laughs> so it's a post about her son's book, and it's got the this is the end two box set <laughs> cover on it. <laughs> it is a no. It is, it is. I went and checked it out. It is on pre-order. Oh, it is. And, and okay. it's probably like she said it was number seven in the dark fantasy or something. That that's probably how it happened. Yeah, she searches. You know, like you said, she posted from the dark fantasy list, and and ours was just the or, or this is the end too was the was the set that that happened to be like maybe the main thumbnail or something, and she just didn't bother to to change it or didn't realize it. Yeah, and I don't I don't know how Facebook does, like when there's more than one image or if you don't set a featured image like in WordPress, I don't know how Facebook determines which image to to grab as a possible thumbnail like. Some pages I'll get like five choices, and other pages I get two. So I have no idea how Facebook does that, but I, I thought it was funny out of all 20 books on that page. Uh, that was the one that showed up. So, yeah, it was worth a laugh. I don't know if it will translate into any kind of money, but we'll see. Yeah, that's why I, was, I, mean, I didn't know if your sales had all of a sudden shot up today or anything. Didn't see any big spike today, but I'll check it again tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. That That's pretty funny, but... You know, it probably won't really bring anything. No, because it's not it's not like a direct link to the book. It's you know, it's just that page for, for dark fantasy, but have you heard about the uh 
I know I've heard other authors say that they think the, I don't think I talked about this on a previous show, but where, where the, the borrows, you know, with Kindle limited everything and mm-hmm. you can borrow books now. Um, I've heard that the borrows are counting more toward your ranking than a sale. I, I haven't heard that, but I would not be surprised that that's the case. Uh, I think Amazon is trying, they're trying really hard to get as as many titles into unlimited as they can. And I think if they, even if they leak that information, like an intentional leak and be like, Oh yeah, by the way, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, those, those Kindle unlimited, uh, borrows or purchases, however you want to call them, they count more than a sale. Like, I would not be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, you figure they, they want as many people in as select as possible. So, like you said, if, if, it get, if the information happens to get out there, then that's really what they want, probably. Have you seen a, a big uh, jump in Kindle Unlimited borrows? I only have one book that's in there because, you know, I was very much against being in select for, for a long time now. Uh, ever since it really stopped being useful mm-hmm. back within the, in like the free days, you know. Right. Um, so I, I pulled everything out of there a, a while ago. But then when it, in July when they first announced it, I, I decided, oh, I'll put Titanic with Zombies is one of my books. I, I thought I'll put that in there and just, you know, just to, to see. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really selling much everywhere else anyway. So I figured it was worth a shot. And, yeah, I did start to get some borrows. Um, it hasn't, I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's more than what I would have had before since I hadn't had it in select anyway, but you know, I get a couple a day maybe, but I, one of the reasons why I asked about the, the ranking thing is because I, I went, when, once I started hearing other authors mentioning this, I, I went and looked at my, my sales charts. Like every day I, I track all my, my sales and everything. And I looked at the days when I got maybe two regular sales the book doesn't sell a lot, so I might only get like, you know, three or four sales on a day of it. Mm-hmm. So there, there'd be days when I would get uh, like three sales, and it would be just regular paid sales and no borrows. And then I would go look at my rank that day, and it was you know maybe sixty thousand or something. And then the next day I would get, or, or next day or the day after that or whatever, I would get like three borrows, but maybe no sales. And then I would look at my rank and it was like 3540. I'm like, well, that's interesting. Like it's the same number of sales and it kind of went up quite a bit. So I don't know, there might be something to that. The, yeah, the whole, I wouldn't that they're actually I wouldn't counting that. the borrows even though it's it's kind of it's kind of messed up really because somebody buys the book, they they're they're pay, they're they're choosing to pay the 299 rather than just being the the thing where they get it for free for a month, you know. So I, I think a sale should count more than a borrow, but I mean, like you said, maybe they're trying to push as many people in and give you whatever reason that you can to, to be in select again. Yeah, and I used to, uh, I'm not in contact with this person anymore, but I used to work with a, an author that um, who had an inside track on some of the Amazon reps uh, in when uh, KDP Select was first came out. And really up until about six months ago, I had fairly good, I had a fairly good confirmation that the algorithm was price agnostic. So uh, you, you would think that uh, someone buying a two ninety nine book w- w- that would have more of an effect on your ranking than a ninety nine cent book. But that was not the case up until at least six months ago. But you know that that might not be the case anymore either. I don't know. Like they might be weighing. Uh, you know, I, Ed Robertson would be a great one to to try and. Uh, you know, see if he'd come on and, and talk to us about that kind of stuff because I think he's got a pretty good beat on it. But I, I wonder if price has a has an effect anymore on ranking. Yeah, I remember people kind of speculating on that, like for you know, really years ago or you know, mm-hmm. back in the day. And and I don't know, I, like you said, I don't think there was any sort of conclusive evidence that, that there was. Uh, it didn't seem to matter, from what I could tell. But. Right. Right. And I don't think it, it matters so much now either. It's just it's just the difference between a borrow and a, and a paid sale. Like so, it doesn't really matter what your price is. But if if you get a borrow, they they like give you extra. It's like you get extra credit for it. Right. And it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, if you got a five dollar book, and, and somebody's borrowing it, you're only getting paid a dollar eighty or something on the borrow, where you'd get three fifty on the on the five dollar book. But yet you're, you know, and, and the customer shelled out five dollars. Yeah. rather than just be on the free thing for Kindle Unlimited. And I would think, God, if anything, that should count more 
I should, you know, whereas the other person who just got to borrow, I mean, yeah, people were going to borrow whatever if they can do it for free. Right. Yeah, but, I, I don't mean, know. Like, you know, who knows? Like, it, it's still too early to tell, really. Right. What the effect of all the borrows are going to be and how, how, how many people will really sign up for Kindle Unlimited beyond their, like, free month. Right. Right. Do you get a lot of borrows? No. I I went I was in all I was all in KDP Select for a long time and then like you I I pulled everything out and, and got it on different platforms and then when Unlimited was rolled out I went back in with a full series and and sort of two other odd titles that weren't really moving much everywhere else and uh, I you know like you I I I probably see a little less of borrows I probably get maybe one borrow a day one or two borrows a day in those titles and it doesn't seem to have a significant impact on the book's ranking. Yeah, I noticed this last year. It almost seems like being in select is is kind of the way to go again. I just see so many books now that new releases that come out that just seem to shoot up, and they're all almost all of them seem to be in select. Like they can be like a new author just comes out of nowhere. And yeah, and I don't I I, I know you probably listened to this. You, you, did you hear the the Sawmore books uh, episode where with Hugh Howie? Yes. It was like a it was like a double episode. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a, it was a really good one. And yeah. uh, he, so you remember he, he he was talking about the whole kind of select versus other platforms, and he said something that you know made a lot of sense because everybody always says that well you got to be everywhere you know mm-hmm. you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and you know all the the kind of cliched phrases. Sure. But like if you're not selling anything on all these other places. And he's like, well, maybe it's better to be on Amazon because if you can gain an extra 10 readers just through the borrows, whereas you're only selling maybe three or four on all these other platforms every day, well, then you're you're actually gaining more readers by being in Amazon versus having your books everywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, what are you really going after? Are you going after readers or you just need to be spread everywhere? Because just, just being spread everywhere doesn't mean anything if you're not selling anything. Exactly. I mean, I'm not, it's not like I'm, if I sold three books a month at Kobo, I mean, I'm not gaining an audience there really. It's three, right. three people maybe. Whereas right. if I'm in select and I can get an extra three or four people a day just to borrow my book who may have otherwise not given me a shot, those are three, three or four maybe new readers every day I'm getting. Yeah. And I understand, you know, people's fear, you know, Amazon's gonna, gonna, you know, cut the royalties and, and leave us all hang you know high and dry or something but hey don't step on scott's toes that's his you know that's what he's gonna say when he comes on the show <laughs> yeah i'm already like stealing his lines <laughs> <laughs> like we gotta ask him you know where do you think the the industry is gonna be in five years <laughs> well yeah we should probably we should probably save the rest of this conversation for scott because he's uh he's the self-proclaimed uh what he call he called himself an old doomy geezer, so we'll we'll save it for the old doomy geezer when he comes on the show. <laughs> all right, then. I'm so done. You, all right, done with, done with my rant. Oh yeah, well that that was that was a pretty uh, pretty polite rant if that's how they're gonna go. So uh, so uh, topic for this week, uh, we talked about doing. Um, are, are we getting sponsored? Did, are you yeah, getting a are, check from Coca-Cola? I don't know by, about. By Coca-Cola now. Uh, Richard oh, Brown is being it? sponsored apparently. Oh, never mind. I... <laughs> yeah, Jay no, Thorne is not, not Richard. By anyone? Yeah. <laughs> so th- this episode, we wanted to uh, we we decided we we're going to talk about uh, classic horror movies and uh, kind of. Uh, Bounce some ideas back and forth, come up with a little bit of list, maybe with some honorable mentions if we have some time, and just kind of have some fun talking about some of the movies that we either grew up with or that we really enjoyed. And, and we're really not trying to like pull, uh, pull obscure references or like make horror movie aficionados feel stupid because they don't know what movie we're talking about. We're, we're talking about movies that we really liked and enjoyed. So that's sort of the... That almost sounded like a Korg. Was that a Korg or was that a, a sound effect? <laughs> no, I really would like to hook the Korg up, but the problem is, is in order for me to play it, you know, I have to be able to hear it. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm playing, and so I had to set my, like, my computer so that I can hear it in the headphones, and then, but it also sets it so I can hear myself talking, 
Yes. And I don't like that because it's both going through my, my mixer. And I'm sure there's a way that I could reroute it or something so it wouldn't do that. So I could have it so it just does the Korg and not my voice. But right, right now it's, it would do both my voice and the Korg. And it's okay if, if my voice was actually, there's like a delay. There's like a, th- a second delay, so it's really weird. So we'll I'll save... be talking, and then I'll hear myself like a second later. Yeah. So we'll just have to save the cork for a special Richard Brown concert. Oh, you got to get your guitar. <laughs> or your drum set, since you kind of look like Danny from Tool. Yeah. Yeah, that was a nice backhanded compliment. Thanks. Can you play like him, though? <laughs> no, I can't play drums he's, at all. He's really good, too. Yeah, he's, he's one of the most incredible drummers in in rock or metal or whatever you want to call it he some of those time signatures are crazy i think he just he purposely tries to do like the weirdest time signatures that he can yeah but but he can do it so yeah and somehow somehow the other guys you know managed to to stay i would just be all over the place i don't know how how they even stay in sync with each other me neither but all right yeah you know so so do you want to do kind of a maybe like a top five yeah, why don't we do like a backwards countdown? We'll start with our our number five and move to number one, and then uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll kind of talk a little about a little bit about them as we go, and just uh, have some fun with this. All right, man. All right, so uh, we're gonna do number five. You want to start? Why don't you start? You up for it? You're the you're the host. I'm just the co-host. <laughs> I guess All I right, can start. I can start if you know if you're too scared. I I am a little frightened. This is we are talking horror films here, so it's going to be a little weird if we have some of the same ones. But yeah, it could happen because we we haven't discussed this ahead of time, so we're we're no. going to surprise each other. Although probably not that much, but that's okay. All right, so uh, number five. This is one that shouldn't be kind of too much of a surprise, considering I like zombie stuff. So I had to give a shout out to really one of the. Kind of the biggest, you know, most recognizable zombie movies. Uh, not the original Night of the Living Dead. Um, yeah, it's just, I've always enjoyed it. It's always, it's been, a you know, one of my favorites. Uh, might be one of the oldest ones on my list. I don't go back too far. That was, what, 68 or 69? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure the exact year, but I, I am glad that, that they didn't get it copyrighted, right? Yeah. It's in the it's in the public domain. So anybody who watches our our show on YouTube, most of the video clips on our intro are from Night of the Living Dead. So if nothing else, I had to give it a a mention because of that. But yeah, I always thought that you know, for, especially for the time, it did a did a great way of kind of introducing zombies to people. Um, in more of you know a fun kind of pop culture kind of way. You know, I know zombie like the idea of a zombie had been around for a long time, but but and and I think um, really I mean for it was actually kind of kind of scary for the time too. Um, yeah, and and gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there was a yeah. There's a lot of uh, of. It was very easy to actually pick scenes from that movie uh, for the for the intro. The other movie, which I won't I won't mention, because you know I think maybe it would be fun to. To, to see if any anybody listening or what, who watches the show could could figure out what the other film is in the intro. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. So I won't mention it. There's only two of them. One of them's Night of the Living Dead. So you already got that one. Yeah. Uh, the other one, it was the other one was a little harder to find, kind of creepy scenes from. But Night of the Living Dead, there was a lot of them. I almost wanted to use more of them because there's just so many good scenes in that in that film. And and of course, you know the zombies, they're not as you know they look a little bit more silly than like today. Like yeah. Obviously, like The Walking Dead does a better job creating a zombie, where whereas they just kind of look like more like people. But right. But right. Yeah, no, that, had... that's that's a great choice, and it was one that uh, I I rewatched it again because we were talking about you know putting together some type of intro montage or something, and so I I watched that whole movie again probably for like the twenty fifth time. <laughs> it is. It's just you know it's kind of it's not it's not campy, but you know. It, in hindsight, it could look a little campy because, mm-hmm. as you said, you know, it doesn't have the same sort of visual aesthetics as modern-day zombie films and TV. But the the movie itself and the concept is really strong, and I think it holds yeah. up well. And it's one of those – you don't see a lot of zombie movies anymore either where it's 
kind of zombies coming out of the ground, you know. And right. Usually and, it's and, just a virus or something. Now. And and in the uh, the zombies in the daytime, like that's mm -hmm. that's a little bit different too. Well, they're not vampires. <laughs> no, no, but you you don't normally get introduced to the zombie in the daylight. You know, it's usually some yeah. uh, night scene or dark scene or something like that. So. Yeah, I mean that was my my number five. Cool. Cool. So what do you got? So my number five uh, is Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one. And uh, I went with this. Freddy. Is, yeah, I went with this as number five because I think Freddy, Freddy and Jason both became kind of silly uh, mm -hmm. in, in the mid to late 80s and into the 90s and, you know, whatever. We should, probably, not, we should probably mention that we, uh, our kind of standard for classic horror movies is oh, anything yeah. kind of pre-1990. Right, 1990 was sort of our, our arbitrary cutoff for what we considered classic. And, uh, uh, yeah, the We've, original Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah, that might have been 83, 82, 83. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, I, what I really liked about that movie in particular was the psychological aspect to it. So um, my readers and, and people that know me know that I like, I like the kind of the esoteric uh, sort of psychological stuff as opposed to the slasher, although I, I like the slasher stuff too. But the idea of like the dream, you know, the dreams coming or Freddy attacking you in your dreams and like mm -hmm. trying to stay awake to avoid that, I, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a scary movie. And maybe, you know, I was a young teenager at the time too, but uh, that was, it was pretty powerful. Well, especially because, you know, usually if you, if you read a, a horror book or watch a horror movie or something, you know, a lot of times people will watch them, you know, with the with the lights off at night and stuff. And then right afterwards, you're supposed to go to sleep. <laughs> so here, this here's a movie that's it's about something haunting you in your dreams, and so that just makes you even less likely to want to go to bed. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're done watching that movie and like, okay, who's gonna who's gonna fall asleep first? <laughs> but I, I think what's so kind of like you said, you know, it, does it hold up? I don't know. I haven't watched it in a while. So it might be, it's probably kind of cheesy, yeah. but, uh, but, but I think that idea of, okay, he's in your dreams. So you can't control your dreams, yeah. you know, at least when you're alive. I mean, when you're awake, when you're alive, when you're awake, <laughs> you know, you can run away or you can hide or you can, can fight back. But if he's coming at you in your dreams, I mean, you pretty much have no control over your dreams. At least I never have any control over mine. I know some people seem like they can you know, mastermind their dreams, but mine is just like I'm watching something. Well, and, and worse yet, not only do you have to control your dreams, but you have to try and stay awake. You have yeah, to fight this, yeah. you know, the physiological process that you can't control. Like sooner or later, you're going to have to sleep. And so mm -hmm. there's, yeah, no matter, how, you're screwed either way. <laughs> yeah. And what was he, uh, he was like burned, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was, he was a, I don't know, was he a janitor at a school and there was some accusations that he was like, uh, I don't know, molesting kids or something and like the parents <laughs> got together and like threw him into the boiler. I, I don't remember the exact story, but yeah, the, the idea is like he's getting revenge now on like the kids in the neighborhood after the yeah, parents. It's been a long him. time since I've seen that one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I probably should. I have the whole set. Like it's like, what is it, seven of them or something? I lost track. I lo Dream Warriors was the last one that I watched seriously. And part of that was because you know, Dawkins was in the soundtrack, which I thought was really, really cool. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know how many there are now. Every time I, I, I think of that movie, it makes me think of the uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince song. Remember that? Which which song? The uh, the nightmare on my street. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where it's like a song about like him being haunted by Freddy. <laughs> they oh. did some they did some funny stuff back then. Uh, <laughs> you know Will Smith. Yep. Nice. You're like I've never heard that before. No, no, I know, I know it. <laughs> I watched The Fresh Prince. What are you talking you were about? A, you were a uh, parents just don't understand fan. Yeah, summertime. <laughs> summertime. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go to number four. What's on your number four? All right. Number four. All right, I got another classic. Uh, well, of course, all of these should be classics, right? Right. Um, uh, and it's a little shout-out to uh, one of my guys back there on the wall, uh, the original Psycho by uh, oh. Hitchcock. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah. 
talk about kind of like psychological stuff, you know, and that's it. I don't know. I always liked that one. And, and it's kind of a, it was always my favorite of, of Hitchcock's at least. And he has quite a few good ones. What was your, what was your first experience with Hitchcock? Look like, do you remember like uh, what movie it was or what the situation was or how old you were? My first experience was probably at uh, um, Universal Studios, believe it or not. Um, they used to have, in Orlando, they used to have like an Alfred Hitchcock like show thing where it was cool. It was like a psycho thing, I think. And you know, you sit up kind of in the audience and they do like almost like this interactive kind of play thing. And that was the first time, you know, when I was a kid, I always loved horror stuff. That was the first time I really knew anything about Hitchcock because you know, by the time I was growing up, he was already kind of long gone. Right. Uh, so I'd never seen any of his any of his stuff, and that got me interested in it. And then, of course, I went and watched that, you know, Psycho. I wanted to see the movie, and I, I think I saw The Birds and Rear Window. <laughs> and, and and now I own, like, the, the big, you know, collection with all the, all the films. I haven't watched them all yet, but... But he's got yeah, I'd forgotten really about stuff. Hitchcock. Yeah, I, I, there's some. I have to go back and watch some of those too. I, I always, I had Hitchcock and uh, the Twilight Zone. I think were, to me, always felt like that sort of uh, pre-modern era horror stuff. Even though you know Twilight Zone wasn't a movie, but just the the, the element of suspense was really strong in both Hitchcock and the Twilight Zone, and that's uh, definitely definitely memorable. Yeah, the Twilight Zone. I've always wanted to write kind of stuff like that where mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know messes with your mind like you're not sure what's going on you, but but then at the same time I'm always I'm always a little fearful that people really won't know what's going on and it'll just <laughs> seem like a it'll just seem like some dumb story that doesn't make any sense yeah that's hard to do well and I mm -hmm. and I think it's easier to do with the visual medium than it is with a with a book I agree I I love that kind of stuff but writing it and in, in a way that keeps the reader informed enough is really hard <laughs> Yeah, I have a, a, a just just joining the podcast and everything has kind of reinvigorated me to to write the, this old this one book I kind of had on the burner for a long time, and it's 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 one of those books where it's 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 you know going to be kind of a mind bender thing, and I'm sure if I don't do it well, it's gonna not make it much sense. But I think also it's kind of fun to read those stories because at least if you know going in that this is going to be a little weird, then it, it helps to kind of it helps you really think about it. You know, you know that, okay, I'm going to have to think about every scene now. Right. I can't just kind of flip through the book really quickly. Or, or, or it even makes it makes the book a little bit more, you know, I don't know what you'd say. The uh, the value is a little higher because people might want to go through it again to, to see things that they didn't see the first time. Right. Yes. You know, it's like, it's like the Sixth Sense or something. I know that's like a newer mm -hmm. newer movie, but... You know, where people are like, oh, I never saw that coming. And then yeah. now they want to rewatch it to see all the little things that they missed. Right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So what do you got, number number four? All right, number four. Uh, I know this is, probably a, this is probably a strange pick for number four, but I went with The Exorcist for number four. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, not on my list at all. Thanks, uh, see, for, I, thanks for spoiling it. <laughs> You, you figured you would get yours in like earlier, just so, just to screw me over. Well, I don't. I think I figured the closer we get to one, there's probably going to be, uh, we're probably going to be, you know, revealing each other's movies. So, yeah, I mean that that's sort of an obvious choice for, for many reasons. Mine now. <laughs> you know, you're not allowed to change it. <laughs> but you won't know anyway. So, uh, what's interesting about this one, though? Um, as I'm wondering how, did you read the book first? Yeah, or? No, well, no, I've read the book, but I read it after seeing the movie. Okay, same here. So I saw the movie first, and uh, I think this is one of those really rare instances where I don't have a strong preference one way or the other. Most of the times I prefer the book, mm -hmm. uh, but, but with The Exorcist, it seems like the, both the movie and the book were equally horrifying for different reasons, and it was really hard to put that one at number four, but... When when I reveal my other three, you'll probably understand why. But uh, that that was that was my number four. Yeah, The Exorcist is uh, you know of course I mo I think a lot of people probably saw the movie mm -hmm. first at least at least you know because I wasn't alive when the book came out or the right. or the movie. But but um, yeah, I remember thinking the I think the book to me, if I had to say, was maybe slightly better. 
hmm. after I read it, and because you know I read, I saw the movie, and then I was like, oh, I'll go read. And it actually was probably years later I read the book. Yeah. And and funny story, it was actually the same week that I read Pet Cemetery. So it was like <laughs> I got two two really good ones in one week. And then I then after I read the book, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go watch the movie. And it still was was really good. It, it held up held up great. The only the only down uh, thing I could say about the movie versus the book was that I felt at the end particularly the demon in the book was maybe a little smarter. Yes. Um, I don't know if you remember there was a scene in the movie and it was in the book too, but where, where it's like taunting the, the, um, what's his name? I can't think of his, his name, the priest. Yeah. I'm terrible um, with names. So you yeah. just say priest, <laughs> the, the priest in the story, you know, he kind of lost his faith and he had had the, this thing with his mom. I think his mom was sick and he didn't come to her side or whatever. And, and uh, the demon was like taunting him about that. It was like speaking in like his mother's voice and stuff yeah. and like getting inside his head. And I was like, that was, that's brilliant. You know, cause that's what you expect like an intelligent demon to do, right? right. Is to really get inside your head and mess with your emotions and your, and your feelings. And there was more of that in the book. I can't remember which one, you know, whichever the other ones there were, but it did it a lot more in the book. And they only really included that one in the movie that I can mm -hmm. remember. And a lot of the movie more focused on like the blasphemous stuff. Like let's be shocking by, by having her like say curse words or having yeah. her like, uh, do things with the cross that we won't, you know, uh, we won't say exactly what she did, but, but if you've seen the movie, of course, you know, yeah, right? if you've seen it, it, you, you it focused know. on being a little bit more, uh, shock, you know? Right. And I think that's why it really was effective at the time when it came out is because it did shock people. Yes. And, it, and it's okay, but the, the the book did go a little bit more into kind of the the psychological aspect. And it was really groundbreaking, too, in that it brought in the whole demonic possession, um, sort of devil fear. I mean, <laughs> we get a little, a little off topic, but you kind of see the same kind of fears come up in, in arguments or, you know, the, the movement against heavy metal in like the 70s and 80s. You know, it's, it's satanic, you know, and like I... I always felt like The Exorcist was like the heavy metal of horror movies. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess we move on to number three. All right, number three. Number three. You love that, don't you? Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely do. Okay, what's your number three? Uh, my number three. Oh, is it, am I up on number three or is it you? You know what my number three was. Oh, sorry. It was, that was it your was number three. Exorcist. All right. All right. I'm, I'm just glad I didn't, like, reveal your number one. All right. My, my number three, I don't know if you'll have this one or not, uh, because I had this on for a per more personal reason. My number three is Dawn of the Dead. And uh, I want to explain a little bit why I think in, in the classic horror genre, this one kind of gets lost a little bit, but it's really powerful for me because... I remember uh, being a kid when they closed the mall to film this. So I, I'm, I grew up in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. Uh, George Romero was from that area, and he shot Dawn of the Dead in Monroeville Mall in the 70s. And it was, uh, it was coming up on the holiday season. I mean, can you imagine, like, closing a mall today in November to, to film a movie? Yeah. It was, you know, it was crazy. But uh, they closed the mall. They filmed mostly at night. And I remember as a kid, we were – we weren't allowed to watch the movie, so I forget, you know, we, I don't know how we ended up seeing it, but we snuck out and some kid had it or whatever. And we, as we're watching the movie, we're like seeing the stores in the mall where we, we walked by with our parents. And so there was a real sort of personal connection for me with Dawn of the Dead. And, uh, and I watched it again recently and <laughs> most of the stores, if not all of them are gone. And there used to be a, the zombie museum was inside Monroeville Mall up until a few years ago and they moved it. Uh, closer in, into near Blairsville in, in uh, Pennsylvania, where the original Night of the Living Dead was shot. Um, but Dawn of the Dead for me, for and and it was also too. It was that that anti-consumerism message <laughs> that really appealed to me. I'm not like a I'm not sort of a materialistic person, and I'm not one. I don't like uh, desire fancy cars and jewelry and bling and all that stuff. And and so Dawn of the Dead and having like these zombies walking through the mall, I just love that. 
Yeah, that was a good one. I I kept it off because I didn't want to stick to zombies on zombie films on my top five. Right. So I, I went with the uh, Night of the Living Dead. But yeah, that's definitely was sort of one of my, uh, uh, what would you call it, my honorable mentions. <laughs> I know you said you don't play video games, but there's a Dead Rising game that, where the first game is basically inside of a mall, and it's kind of it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool because you can go you can go into all the stores and just like pick up like random stuff like golf clubs and whatever, and just start hit you know killing zombies with whatever. Well, yeah, and there's a real paradox there. I mean, on one hand, like you're kind of repulsed, and you, and you get the symbolism behind the zombies trudging through the mall, and at the same time, like who wouldn't love just like going into the mall and having free access to every store and all the goods, and just going in and taking what you want? Like, there's a lot. There, there's more to that movie than just zombies, and I think that's one of the things that appeals to me as well. Well, you said that you don't, you're not a material girl, so you wouldn't want to just go into a mall and take whatever you want. Oh, but I'm a human, man. I'd binge. I mean, I'd, I'd be there filling my arms up. I don't know about the malls where you live, but the, mall, the mall, malls where I'm at is mostly just, you know, women's clothing stores. So. Well, yeah, it is now. I but mean, in the 70s. What you, if that's what you want, then I guess. Well, no. Malls have changed a lot. I mean, you, you think about it seriously. Like it, back in the day, malls had like department stores, and department stores sold everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it was just different. But uh, and that but that movie is very dated. Like if you watch it now, it it looks kind of silly. What about the 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 remake? I haven't seen that. You've never seen the remake? No. Wow, no, the remake's pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Maybe I just have a low standard, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, yeah, I didn't steal any any your uh, any more yours yet. So go ahead, you could do your Hopefully number two. Not. Um, all right. Number two. Um. Okay. So I don't know if you're going here too. Maybe I'll steal one of yours, but it's another shout out to the the man on the back wall, Scott Nicholson. I mean Jack Nicholson. <laughs> and The Shining. Uh, oh, I just steal my number one. Did Why I? Don't you? Did I? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I knew Score. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I moved it to number two. That way uh, I could screw you over like that. <laughs> uh, I knew, I, I knew that one was probably going to be on both of our lists. Yeah, of course. I mean, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what else can you say about that? I mean, that was just, I know King, King apparently doesn't really, didn't really like the old one too much. No, he didn't, he didn't care for it at all. Uh, which is interesting. And I've never seen the the remake they did. Have you seen it? No. Apparently they you know they redid a, a new one and was supposed to be more to his liking and he might have wrote the screenplay for it. Now and I did see the Simpsons episode where they spoof it. <laughs> I've only seen the one with the uh, the haunted house, the treehouse <laughs> guy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, have you read the book to The Shining? I have, but it's been a long yeah. time. I read yeah, it a long, long time, time ago. For me too, I think. Yeah, that movie was just really. There were some really creepy scenes in that movie. Yeah. I think Kubrick. He did definitely did a very good job at, at, at you know, really building that tension. Uh, I think King's main complaint was, was that in the book, I guess maybe it focuses a little bit more on Jacks and his alcoholism and, and, and whereas in the movie it's just kind of like oh Jack's just kind of crazy and. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really talk about the family and, and kind of, and then that's more of the, the the themes that he he wanted to layer in the book about kind of the destruction of the family and 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 I guess Kubrick went more for just the you know the the cheap scares, but it worked for me. Yeah, I mean it's definitely it's definitely a haunted house story movie, but uh, the that downward spiral. <laughs> That that sort of degeneration of a human is is one of the things. It's it's like a car wreck. You know, you you can't look away. And and yeah, there's the bloody elevators and the and the freaky twins and all that stuff. But that guy sort of just spiraling down into craziness like that. That's really frightening for me. And it's hard to top. It's hard to top Jack Nicholson too when you need somebody who's just a little frightening. <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
and, and the think... way some of those shots were done were just like the like the kid when he's like riding his little three wheeler or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like and, and 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 you know you have a lot of haunted house stories, but here's like a hotel, so it's like this giant place and it's empty, which yes. made which makes it even more like you know the, it really boosts the dread when you get this giant place where everything kind of echoes and yeah because it was clean like i think that's the other that's the other thing that's very different about that it wasn't like a, a haunted house with cobwebs and mm -hmm. and you know it was like a it was a really clean pristine classy hotel but it yeah. was very stark and empty and cold and yeah and that all just contributed you know, to like, it. yeah there was, there was no way of kind of going anywhere he was stuck there and and it was just them in the, in the place. Well, it wasn't really just them, but... Well, do you think that'll be the role Nicholson's remembered for? Like, out of all of his movies, do you think that's the one? He's probably got a couple. I mean, that that's definitely up there. I mean, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is mm -hmm. probably up there. And I always think of him in that movie, uh, A Few Good Men. Yeah. You know, with the line, like, uh, you can't handle the truth and everything. It's kind of... Yeah. Everybody... <laughs> Everybody says that line, but yeah, it, he's been in, in quite a few good ones. Yep. But but as far as his older stuff, at least that's that's definitely one of the ones that that I'll remember the most. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for stealing my number one. I appreciate that. <laughs> now you got to come up with something else. <laughs> All right. Well, or you're gonna look like an idiot. <laughs> I'll just look like an idiot, like normal. Now, yeah. My number two. I don't think I'm stealing your number one. I, maybe I am. I don't know. I'd be surprised oh, if you. Oh, that had would this. be horrible. It would be it would be sweet sweet justice, but uh, my number two is Poltergeist. Ooh, no, that's not it. Oh, how about that? That was all my honorable mentions, but I thought about putting the top. I, I really like Poltergeist. Yeah, I loved Poltergeist, and I, uh, I I haven't watched it in a long time, and I want to go back and watch it. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty dated as well, but it's that it's that same that theme again, right? Like the unseen unknowable terror and uh and oh my god through the tv like of all places <laughs> don't mess with my tv right <laughs> yeah I, I was actually for the intro uh to the show i was considering doing like almost like a poltergeist thing with like a tv where it, it's all fuzzy and then it turns on and there'll be like these flashing images and stuff it was just going to be too difficult to make it look good it was, it was just going to look cheesy yeah because I, I actually tried to do it and i put images in there and it just I couldn't. I don't. I don't have the expertise to do that. So, yeah. but that, that, yeah, that was what I was thinking about when I was doing. It. I was like, oh, Poltergeist was like, you know, that idea. Her staring at the the TV and it's just like right. snow and, yeah. Yeah. Now I wonder, like, what um, the sort of the the found footage genre came on a little bit later, and and Paranormal Activity, I think, definitely nods a lot to Poltergeist as far as that sort of. Uh, you know, your home is like the only place where you really want to be safe. And and you can't and you're not safe there and and that's uh that's pretty terrifying. So how would you compare like Poltergeist to to Paranormal Activity or or, or do you? No, I wouldn't compare. I, I would much prefer Poltergeist. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, but, um, I know we're planning on doing probably a modern, more modern horror movies episode yeah. later. I don't know if Paranormal Activity would be on your list, but probably probably wouldn't be on mine. No, I can tell you it won't be on mine, but it was, uh, that was just what I thought, I thought of, like, that was, Poltergeist had to have been a big influence on paranormal activity, and just that idea of having those spirits in your house and not being able to control them is uh, pretty frightening. Well, with paranormal activity, I thought it was, the most interesting thing was, was the, just the fact that they were videotaping everything. Yes. So they would, like, set up the video camera, and then you just sort of feel like a voyeur, you're, like, watching it. Yeah. And... And like, to me, the creepy, really the weirdest scene was like when she's just standing over the bed, like just like rocking <laughs> for like hours, like just staring at the idea of somebody kind of staring at you, like when you're sleeping is weird. Yeah. Like, you don't want somebody <laughs> staring at you when you're sleeping because you, you, again, it's like the whole, you're in, you're inside your, your dream world and you can't be aware of what's going on while you're sleeping. So, so the, the fact that somebody's like staring at you, maybe contemplating even doing something to you while you're sleeping is really kind of feel helpless you know yeah yeah because you can't just wake up because you don't know <laughs> i mean i thought that was cool i mean there's a lot of cliched things in there too like the sure. broken broken family picture and like mm -hmm. the weed the weed board but yeah 
I would never put a Ouija board in any in anything I ever write. No, not not anymore. <laughs> it's been so overused. There is one modern horror movie that does use the Ouija board thing. I think that that I'll probably discuss on my on the on the next episode that we do uh, on on movies, just because I really did actually like that movie. But despite the Ouija board, all right, we'll save it for that. <laughs> all right. So all right. We at we at the uh, big number one now. Well, we're at one of the number ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I stole yours. So you're going to have to think of something else while I do mine. <laughs> Number one. All right, so mine was uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, I, I figured that's where you were going to go. Yep. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's, that's one of the best, I think. Yep. And I've always liked the, I've always thought some of the best uh, horror movies are the ones that kind of have a bit of a, like an alien influence. Oh, yeah. I don't know why, but there was always like, appeal to me the most um so there's some there's some newer ones that do too but even like the old alien film was kind of considered you know a little sci-fi little horror though and right just like the weird idea like the thing like okay somebody's got this thing inside of them but you don't know who it is you know yeah like like so somebody's people are dying and, and weird things are happening but and, and somebody in this group and, and they're on this isolated i forget where they were but might have been Antarctica or something, you know, they're in this isolated place where it can't just be somebody else came in, you know, it's right. one of them is causing this. And, and that, yeah, that, that movie was really, I thought it was really well done. There was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of gore in it, but, but, but other than that, there was just a lot of, a lot of creepy, creepy scenes and it was just very well. The story was, was kind of original too. I thought at the time. Yeah, I agree. And, I and know, Carpenter had, Go What's ahead. that? No, you. No, I was just gonna say. Uh, did, did, you know, they made like a prequel. I don't know if you saw that one. No, I have. I was gonna say, I, like I, I know I've seen a few Carpenter films, but I haven't seen anything recently. So. Yeah, the prequel. I mean, it, it was kind of explaining how. They, a lot of people thought it was a remake, but it wasn't actually a remake. It was like I think it was a prequel. So it was explaining, uh, kind of right what happened before they, before they were there. Or, not whatnot but yeah i thought it was okay it was yeah. it wasn't as good as the original but i mean i wasn't expecting it to to be that but i thought at least in terms of, of some of the the stuff we get these days it was a lot better than a lot of them yeah agreed what uh, john carpenter's done a lot of stuff hasn't he? he's done did he, did he do uh halloween yeah i think so yeah i'm pretty sure halloween yeah. says uh and Off that the one IMDb kind of an honorable mention that that i was gonna I can I went back and forth on whether or not I should put Halloween on there cuz I don't you know, like like the Nightmare on Elm Street it's kind of mm-hmm. it was one of my favorites too. Yeah. Um it did get to the point where it was you know so many of them there's only so much you can do with it. But, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised they haven't come out with one recently. <laughs> well, we uh why don't we why don't we do sort of a quick glance at some honorable mentions in the time we have left and and just kind of I really only have, I think, two or three to mention, but uh, it might be worth just kind of throwing them out there. Maybe some more obscure stuff, you know, if people want to check them out. So you got an honorable mention you want to toss out there? Um, yeah, uh, a, few, a few of which are kind of almost like borderline comedy horror. Yeah. Uh, the Evil Dead. Evil Dead, yeah. I knew yeah, you were gonna, oh, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. one of yours. And yep. uh, Reanimator. Yeah, uh-huh. Which is just really those are just really fun to me. Yeah, I love the you know, Evil Dead. They're not yeah. they're not scary, but they're they're, right. they're really fun. Yep. And um more more seriously, like the original Texas Chainsaw Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. I thought it was pretty good. Yes. And um Oh, and actually Carrie, like the original mm-hmm. Carrie. Yeah. Uh, I thought was was well done. I didn't see the the new one. Because I just didn't no, see the, the point in seeing it. I thought the old one was was fine. I don't know why right. they remake some of these movies. And it's just like there's, you know, there's so many ideas out there, and there's so many stories. I mean, we're probably sitting here thinking, why don't you make one of our books into a movie instead of redoing the same thing all the time? Well, because there's money in that. I mean, there's yeah. a it's a proven audience, a proven proven money maker. I've I've I'm sort of I know I just saw Sin City, but mm-hmm. kind of I'm kind of getting tired of the comic book thing. Yeah, uh, with the movies, they're just—they're getting to the point where they're just doing so many of them now, and 
pretty much every plot is the same. I mean, yes. do you really expect that Iron Man's going to die? I mean, <laughs> you know what's going to happen. I mean, you could guess pretty much the whole plot. Right. And right. So I don't know, like everybody was was really saying this this Guardians of the Galaxy is really good. I'm just kind of it's not it's not as interested right now just because I'm kind of getting a little tired of them, a little burnt out. Yeah, I was never a big uh, superhero comic book movie guy, so uh, I've seen a few of the Captain Americas because they filmed them here in Cleveland. And but I I, I don't really go out of my way to to see those. And I heard Guardians of the Galaxy was really good, but I I saw the trailer when I was at the movies a few months ago, and it just didn't. I just I don't know. I just didn't have yeah. any desire to see it. That's the same way I felt. I just I was like, you know what? It's probably kind of a fun, entertaining movie, but. I guess maybe I'm just getting a little tired of him at this point. I'm just. I mean, I went to see the new Godzilla instead of. <laughs> instead, you know, at least kind of what, what you're getting there. You know, it was okay. I, I took my son, and he had never seen a Godzilla movie before, so I think I enjoyed it because of that. But if I had mm -hmm. to. But just based on the movie itself, it was. It was okay. <laughs> it was what. I was kind of. You know, wasn't expecting a lot. And then actually the reviews, a lot of people were acting like it was really good. So I kind of went in maybe expecting it to be better than it ended up being. But it was okay, like you said. Yeah, it was entertaining. It wasn't anything special. I didn't expect. I mean, it's a giant lizard, basically. I mean, what do you right. expect? There's only so much you can do with that. <laughs> it's just destroying the city. And I think that's what you go for, right? It's just right. destruction. Right, the destruction. Just yeah. see everything get. It's like that movie 2012 where it's just like the whole movie is just like yeah. stuff blowing up and like the the ground like coming apart and buildings right. falling and or like cloverfield you know talk about yep. those 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 footage movies you know shaky right. cam films yeah where it's just this giant thing is just destroying the, the the whole the whole city <laughs> well i uh i only have i think a couple that we haven't already mentioned as an honorable mention one is really obscure i don't know if you heard of this movie it came out in the 80s it was called threads it was a British movie, and it was made around the same time as The Day After. And The Day After was a, a nuclear war uh, film, I guess, like in the height of the Cold War. Yeah. And, uh, and Threads was the British version, but The American, the Day After, uh, it wasn't realistic. So, like, the bomb went off, and then people were, like, going into convenience stores and getting, like, a Slurpee, and they were, like, hanging out on the sidewalk, and... It, it was more sort of like post-apoc, but it wasn't realistic. But Threads was brutally realistic. It was like radiation sickness and, and just nasty, nasty stuff. And it's not a horror film, but I remember watching it when I was in like 7th or 8th grade. And our, if you can believe this, our science teacher showed it in class. And we had to get a parental permission form signed to see it. And it was the type of thing, like it was over, and there were kids in the room in tears. I mean, it was crazy, crazy powerful. When you say there was kids in the room in tears, you mean just, just you? Well, okay. So I was crying, and everyone else was laughing. But uh... Did your parents have to come pick you up, or did you just get the counselor to talk to you for a little while? Well, once they got the, the razor blade off my arm, I was, mm. I was in much better shape. But uh, how, how old were you? Uh, I think it was eighth grade. I'm pretty sure it was eighth grade. So I was what oh, yeah. thirteen, that, that's, fourteen. That's pretty much razor blade time right there. In yeah. High. yeah, yeah, on a good day. So <laughs> the the other one though, uh, and I don't know if you've seen this one or read the uh, read the book, and it's not really a horror movie, but the Serpent and the Rainbow. Uh, yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting because it's it's based on a on a real story of a doctor that goes to Haiti and he's investigating um, Haitian zombies like that whole the whole voodoo and creating zombies from voodoo and it uh, and the film with the film is a reinterpretation of the book and even though the book is is technically nonfiction it's a great narrative read it's the kind of book that you read and you almost forget that it's that it's nonfiction but I remember seeing the movie and uh, I don't I don't want to be a spoiler but there are certain parts of the movie you see coming from a mile away and you don't want to see it, but you know you're gonna get, you you know you're gonna you're gonna see it, and uh, it's like your cruise ship analogy, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. coming into port. Yeah, you know it's you know it's coming, and uh, so <laughs> if you're if you're into like voodoo, occult, black magic type of stuff, The Serpent and the Rainbow I think was like a mid to late '80s film, and it's uh it's it's really interesting, more obscure, but it's it's good. Yeah, the only other thing, uh, let's see what else I got. Uh, oh. 
uh, the the film Hellraiser. Oh yeah, Hell Pinhead. Hellraiser. I mean, yeah. 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 I was always. I'm a pretty big Clive Barker fan. Me too. More so, so of his books than his than the movies, but yeah, yeah, and a lot of the movies haven't been been that great. Like the original Hellraiser, I thought was good, and then they kind of got you know, they went bad after that. But right, I thought that the original one was good. And I I think he's actually I loved his books of blood. I thought those were mm -hmm. his short stories back then were really good. Yes, some of the one of the scariest stories I, I think I've ever read was his story Dread. I don't know if you've yeah. ever read that one. I don't remember that one. Yeah. It was in the books of blood and. Okay. Oh, talk about cre talk about getting inside your head. Yeah. <laughs> like it's about this guy who's like doing experiments on people. Basically, he's like he locks like this woman who's a, a, like a vegetarian up into like a room where she can't get out, and he puts like a piece of meat like on the ground, and he's like just basically seeing how long it takes for it to break and oh. start eating the meat and like like diff there's different ones that he locks these different people up. He's doing experiments on people, and it's. But the way it comes around in the end is just brilliant. Like, yeah. Like, like, like he, he he ends up getting his, and it's just like, it's almost like it comes all the way back around on him, and and it's like it's just it's awesome. I think but Barker's it's, it's one of the most yeah he's the one of the most effective uh, writers in first person. Like his first person stuff is, wow, it's so good. I mean, you can almost hear it. Like as you read it, you can almost hear him speaking to you. It's. Uh, I don't remember whether the short stories were written in first person or not, but I know some of his other stuff were and um, was, and it was great. I'm sure some of them were. I, I know. I don't think yeah. that one was in first person, but yeah. Did you ever read that one? It was like Mister Be Gone or something. Yeah, but he's uh, he's like the devil, right? Yeah, he's like just keeps telling you to burn the book. Yeah, he's like, like at the yeah. beginning of every chapter. It's like a whole few paragraphs. He's like, "Burn this book! Don't read this book!" What yeah, are you he doing? keeps he keeps telling you like, "If you read this, you're screwed. Like, you better yeah. you, you better not. You better not." <laughs> it was almost a little bit of like a comic, you know, satirical kind of comedy thing. Yeah, yeah. it was more funny than it wasn't really scary, but right. <laughs> it seems like recently he's been going more with fantasy kind of stuff, and yeah. which is okay. Yeah, but I haven't read him in a little while now. Right. Yeah. Same here. All right, okay. man. Okay. Well, we're um, coming up uh, on an hour here. Any any closing thoughts? Anything we need to mention about some upcoming episodes? Well, I mean, next episode should be Scott Nicholson, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I we're believe gonna, so. Well, I'm just trying to I'm trying to think of where we are now. What episodes we have we have mapped out? Yeah. We have Scott Nicholson coming up, and we have a few other guests uh, lined up. Um, I get well, they're confirmed. I guess we can mention them, or do we want to wait? I don't know. I mean, it's it's up to you. I mean, if you feel if you feel they're confirmed, then I guess you could. But yeah, I I just wouldn't want to say. Some anything. of them might be a little little ways off, though. Yeah, maybe we'll wait. We'll just wait until they get a little closer. We'll tease you a little bit. But yeah, we've got some uh, we've got some really interesting people coming on, and we're hoping to, um, yeah, you know, we're hoping to ask some some different in interesting questions. So uh, it'll be something to look forward to. You get the. Uh, Author Marketing Live coming up too. Yeah, that'll be over by the time this airs. But right, yeah, but I do. Yeah, I do have it coming up uh, in a few days, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Jim Kukrell sold it out, and so that was really exciting to hear that he. I know he was working really hard behind the scenes to to sell it out, and that uh, you know he took a big risk, and it looks like it's going to pay off. So I'll, I'll be able to report back on that in a very near future episode. Yeah, maybe a few weeks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool, you know. I don't know if you're nervous about having to give your speech, but. Yeah, I, I think to a degree you're always going to be nervous, but I'm really just going to get up there and tell my story, and I lived it, so I know it pretty well. Well, it's even like those, you know, those, I know you're, you're really into music and everything, and you used to be in some bands. I know a lot of uh, musicians, they say, even after they've played, you know, thousands of shows, they still get nervous when they first get out there, you know. Yeah, they I think it's to, natural. You have to sort of in that first five or ten minutes, maybe get that first song out of the way, and then you yeah. feel fine. But, but when you're first stepping out there, it's a little like, little, you know, it's always kind. Of, I think that's how you know it's something that you is 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 good, you know, because you should feel that way. If you don't feel that way, then it's probably not worth doing. Exactly. Yep, I couldn't say it better myself. You're exactly right. All right, man. So I think Excellent. we uh, pretty rough wrapped it up there. Yeah, check out the show notes. We'll leave. Uh, Maybe we'll put our notes, our, our list in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, make sure you... <laughs> What's your number one? Well, I won't put my number one since it's already been done. But, uh, yeah, if you, you know, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Validate us because we're very 
sensitive and fragile creatures, and if we don't get your validation, yeah, um, we're going to If you're in the Horror Writers better. Association, make sure to vote for James's new book because he's been wanting to win one of those for so long. Yeah, ever since I I got into the organization for days ago. and days, I've been dreaming <laughs> about the Bram Stoker Award. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Studio audience like that. <laughs> All right, everyone. It's been great. Uh, Richard, been cool. We'll see you on the next one. Take it easy. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to the Horror Writers Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Do it. Do it now. What are you waiting for? Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. 